Hello and welcome to episode 116 of the Nerd Culture Podcast, a very special episode, very exciting. Uh, it's, my name's David, I'm your host, as you know, because it's 116 episodes in, and uh, I've got my crew, Richard. Yeah, I'm feeling that this is pretty special myself, in a Bruce McAvaney kind of special kind of way. <laughs> this guy. Oh gee, it's special. Luke. That's right, I'm back. One star, one Luke reviews for everyone. <laughs> this guy sucks, that guy can't draw. What? That's, a, that's bit, a good point. That's a bit forceful for so early well, in the given, morning. Yeah, <laughs> but given that you didn't actually take us with you to New York, you can understand that why we're a bit upset. Budget well, cuts. I offered, <laughs> but you had to pay for yourself. I'm sorry. Your wrongs for everyone. <laughs> uh, and lovely crystal. And I brought the gravy. <laughs> Thank you. That's appreciated. <laughs> now, the reason it's, a, it's such a special episode is, uh, as our listeners will know, um, we're big fans of the roast on, uh, from ABC2 on this on this program. Um, crystal and I you know, watch every, every single episode, and it's... Uh, follow the Twitter accounts of the, uh, the people involved on stuff. It's just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show. And uh, sadly, that show is actually no no longer continuing on ABC Two. So the future of it is is a bit up in the air, and it's a bloody disgrace. I'm going to say it right here now: ABC Two, you're a disgrace. <laughs> but uh, so, but in celebration of the, of the show, from the show itself, we've got Mr. Mark Humphreys. Oh, hello, <laughs> Mr. Jazz Tremolo. Hello, and Mr. Seton K. Smith. Hello. <laughs> so we've got a, a bit of a unique situation here. We've got all three of them Skyping in uh, from on our iPads here. Crystal's taking a photo. It's pretty exciting. But uh, guys, thank you very much for joining us. I know you guys had uh, a rap party last night, so uh, thank you for uh, waking up so early to to uh, to join us here. Yeah, this is the worst uh, the worst podcast you've ever done. <laughs> Look, that's gonna, that's going to be saying something. <laughs> Hang on, is he still in my bit there? <laughs> It's so exciting for us, uh, especially Crystal and myself. Uh, it's just it, it's an honour to have have you all on, and uh, and basically, I just want, I just want to celebrate the show. In that it's in, it, I mean, it brought so much joy to us and to I mean all of your fans as well. I mean, I've seen just the outpouring of of disappointed people. Uh, yeah, just I mean, like Charles Pickering and. And, and you know various other people like that sort of just saying just what a shame it is even I mean Mark was even in a on an interview uh, the other day on ABC morning show and even they said it was a disgrace and they work for the play for the people so. <laughs> yeah that show's going to get cancelled soon as well now, unfortunately <laughs> oh, no. can we just uh, have you guys sort of introduce yourselves or talk, talk a little bit about your background and um, and then we'll sort of we'll talk about the actual show in in general so let's start with Mark uh, hello, yes, I'm Mark Humphreys. Um, well, in terms of background, I mean, do you mean just in terms of how I ended up on the roast? Is that sort of thing? Yeah, or? yeah, sort of stuff. Uh, is how you ended up on the, on the roast, or what sort of stuff you didn't uh, previously. Let's, yeah. let's, give, let's give the people, the potential employees your resume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, well, I had, at university, I'd studied advertising and French, and I thought... I would go on to work in advertising, and I finished that degree, and it didn't really, it didn't really feel it. And uh, I had always harbored a desire to go into TV, but didn't really know how to go about it. And I was almost sort of embarrassed to admit that I did want to do it because it just seems like a sort of foolish dream. Um, <laughs> and uh, but I was very fortunate at a certain point that I I met Clark Richards, and we became fast friends. And he was. He knew Nick Richardson and Charles Firth for, for some reason, and, and so as that original two-minute version of the show was uh, was about to take off, uh, Clark very generously said uh, to Charles and Nick, I think you should have this guy Mark come in. And so I started out as an intern on the two-minute show, and was, I think I was in there maybe a couple of days a week while I was 
also juggling a couple of other jobs. Uh, and then at a certain point, uh, yeah, I just kept going back until one day Charles Firth called me up uh, at my other job and said, how would you like to come work on the roast full time? And it was just uh, it was a dream come true. I mean, I had awesome. Charles Firth on the chaser for several years and, uh, and, and away we went from there. Awesome. Thank you. So uh, next up we'll have Jazz. Um, well, yeah, how to get on the show? Well, having having fled the uh, the US on uh, multiple murder charges, <laughs> I um, changed my identity and uh, yeah, I started doing stand up in Sydney in I think it was two thousand and eleven, and that's how I met Seaton, and we ended up doing a joint uh, fringe festival show together in Sydney. Um, and at the time, I was writing with, again, Mark and Seaton uh, occasionally for Dan Illich's sort of satirical podcast slash radio show, um, Irrational Fear. So we were on the writing room for that. And yeah, Mark brought sort of the, the roast guys along from the, the two minute version to see uh, mine and Seaton's uh, fringe show, because I think sort of Mark liked us as writers. Yeah, and Nick sort of invited us to do a week uh, on the two-minute show. And then, yeah, when it got re-commissioned sort of commissioned to be uh, 10 minutes the following year, he invited us to sort of join them uh, full-time. So it was, yeah, mainly through stand-up, basically, um, that I ended up sort of meeting everyone and, uh, yeah, getting on the show that way. Awesome. Cool. So you, you said you, you started uh, through Seaton, and funnily enough, he's next. <laughs> that's um that's right so I, I i'm a stand-up comedian as well and um yeah basically did it for a, a a year or two and then met jazz and did that show and as jazz as jazz said it that's that's how it came to be don't have too much to add to that story. <laughs> <laughs> my genesis as well short and sweet that's awesome. I'd say it's i mean you, you come from so mark you don't actually you didn't really come from a comedy background well, I mean, uh, I mean, I had done, I had done a bit of stand-up comedy, but it was never really my ambition. I, I think it's, uh, you know, Jazz and Seaton are very, very skilled at it, uh, and I've enjoyed it to an extent. But I, I, I do find it extremely stressful. So <laughs> I, the idea of being able to uh, write quietly in a room uh, and then uh, film something in front of, you know one or two people and then have it go out to a larger audience seemed, seemed far more appealing than, <laughs> than live performance. Um, so, uh, yeah, but in terms of comedy background, I mean, I just, done, I like, I'd written, a, written and uh, made a sort of comedy pilot with a friend. I did little, uh, I did a little satirical, like one minute news parody thing uh, for a website a few years ago. And so I, did, I just dabbled with little things, but never really seriously until, uh, until Clark Richards came into my life. And uh, whose who's, uh, idea was it for the, uh, the brilliant sort of headlines thing at the start oh, of the show? Yeah, the, we, we loved the, uh, when it started out during the, the federal election, and we loved that it kept going. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, I, I take full credit for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened, actually, and no, I owe Jazz um, thanks for, for, for this. What it, the actual origins was um, the day that... Um, Kate Middleton gave birth to the to royal baby number one. Jazz, Jazz, you and I were we we were writing together on that story, weren't we? Yes, because I was doing the in the queue. Yeah, I was in the queue that got one longer in line for the throne. 
That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, jazz, yeah, so we discussed what we wanted to do with it. And jazz, so we got jazz in the queue. And then I, I was supposed to write, because yeah, I think at that point maybe we were doing, it was either two big stories or three we would do either two or three stories an episode. I can't recall now which which it was, but uh, and the way it would work is that usually you'd, you'd split off into a small team. One person would be responsible for writing Tom's spiel, and then another person would write uh, a cutaway or a, or a report for someone else to perform. And so, since Jazz was writing his own thing that he was doing, it was my job to write Tom's piece. However, for some reason, as I was writing Tom's piece, I was—I heard a voice in my head um, <laughs> that was with a completely different style of delivery, uh, and it felt—it just felt funny to me. And I started writing in that voice, um, and it's now the voice that you know as the sort of headlines voice—the angry Mark uh, Humphreys voice. That's, that's exactly <laughs> it. And I just thought, um, and no disrespect to Tom, I just thought this doesn't sound like Tom. This is not it actually doesn't make sense for Tom to deliver this. However, I think this is quite a, a funny script. So I said to Jazz, how do I, how do, I do this? How do I, because I think I should deliver this because I know how it's supposed to sound. How do I write myself into the show without it seeming sort of anarchic? Or, uh, <laughs> you know? and, uh, and Jazz said, very easy. All you do is have uh, Tom say, uh, there's a royal baby's been born. And for more, here's Mark Humphreys. Yeah. <laughs> that was how we got around that. No time to muck around. Let's cross straight to our royal baby watcher, Mark Humphreys. Mark, what have you got for us? Well, Tom, in the words of the crying game, it's a boy. The Duchess of Cambridge has successfully evicted a miniature human, which for now is still being referred to as the royal baby, though I'm hoping it will be named Gavin. Uh, and so, yes, so that was the first time i wrote myself in you know in that voice uh into the show and the we did a read through for that and i remember it just went down a treat and so it just felt like we'd found something there and then i think but i don't, I don't think i did did it again for an, another few days and another story came up that felt like it lent itself to that and then when the election was announced um i, I think I, I had a chat with uh, Nick and maybe Clark about I feel like this character might be able to do something within the election like maybe because every day there's going to be probably some big story about a policy announcement yes. or what have you but there's going to be all sorts of other little things going on uh, seat by seat and uh, I was just lucky that Nick was willing to take a chance on it and uh, and yeah then it became a daily staple and then of course when the election finished it was like well what what now and uh, Nick was like, "Oh, you just do other stories," um, yeah. and, uh, and and it, and it stuck. So I was, uh, yeah, it was. It was. I'm, I'm so thrilled that we did that. It, uh, it was. It's been an absolute joy. Yeah. It was a it was a brilliant idea. I mean, Tom. You we mentioned Tom a couple of times. It's Tom Glasson, the the host of the show, essentially, and he has he has basically sort of like the perfect host sort of persona. And uh, but there's not a mean bone in his body. So so <laughs> the chance for you to sort of do the the angry headlines type yes. thing. It uh, just it just works so well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was just a real, uh, just a chance just to be extremely cutting and blunt. That's all I really want. <laughs> just in terms of the writing itself, I mean, how close to the wire would you actually get sometimes before you'd have to um, go and record? I mean, were there, was there a lot of stuff that you that you actually couldn't use, or suddenly was there you know a story that was breaking as you were as you were finishing up the writing yeah. that well, you guys would use to, to remain topical? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it, it changed a lot from last year to this year because last year we um, had uh, Richard Fab um, as I think he was. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sort of, sort of executive producer or one of the producers, but he he was there to sort of whip us into shape because we'd had a few episodes not go to air um, because precisely because we'd taken too long mm. to uh, deliver the episode to the ABC. Um, so they brought him in to sort of drill us into shape. Um, so when he was around, we were having to lock the script off by 1 p.m. Um, and after that, we sort of literally had to take our hands away from the keyboards and just say, this is the episode as it is now, and that's how it's going to get made. Um, this year, it feels like we've changed a bit, and I don't know whether it's a change in the filming, the way that we film it, but we seem to be filming along like one, a few steps down the track behind where the script is, um, which means as long as we're laying script in front of the people filming downstairs and Nick is locking it off as we go along. We've actually been going up to, we've sometimes been writing up to 2.30, 2.45, which is you know, wow. 50, 15 minutes before we're meant to actually stop filming at three. So I don't think there's anything that's, yeah, I mean, Nick's often just cut stuff, you know, it gets to 2.30, 2.40. And so we're still writing this and we haven't cracked it. So, you know, we just have to cut it. So I imagine quite a lot of stuff has ended up on the cutting room floor because of that. But definitely feels like we've been able to get more in this year because uh, we haven't been stopping at one o'clock. So what, time did you, what time did you start the day? We After we've broken down which stories we want to do and discussed kind of what the angles we could take on them are and what kind of bizarre cutaways can we put in. Um, we usually start writing the ideas that we've had at sort of nine o'clock uh, and then we have like a read through at 10.30 and then pretty much I think Mark is the first, Tom has to do his, I think the, the, pro, the promotional video and then Mark is up at sort of 11.45 and then from that point on um, it's pretty much filming in order and we're just sort of tweaking the script ahead of the production people filming stuff downstairs uh, as we're going along. Cool. One of the challenges is, um, uh, and just for clarification, so we start at 7, we were in at 7, and then we, the, the, the headline section sort of breaks off at 7.30 and gets starts finding our stories then. And I should just add to what I said previously that um, the headline segment wouldn't be anything without uh, the writers Evan Williams and David Ferrier who have been with me on every episode this year and most of uh, the ones last year they were phenomenal writers so I, I thoroughly endorse those guys in terms of please follow them on Twitter, Evan Williams and the David Ferrier. At the David Ferrier At the David Ferrier, <laughs> Evan Williams with three S's I think it is <laughs> uh, couldn't get the rights to his own name but, um, uh, but yeah, now there would be things sometimes where you'd be in the studio and I'm sure uh, Jazz and Seton, I'm, think, I'm sure that this would happen to you as well where suddenly a legal note will come in very, very late that you'll be just about to film something or you maybe even already have filmed it and the legal department will come back and say you can't use that word or we can't all... <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions. Have you ever, has the ABC ever stepped in and said, no, you just actually can't do that? Numerous times, yes. Wow. Um, I guess, so, guys, I think we're probably comfortable to start talking about some of those things that were... That Please. Yeah, there was that, that graphic uh, sex scene between Tony Abbott and a wind farm. 
<laughs> the flip book. <laughs> Those flip books are masterful. Right? They're absolutely brilliant stuff. Was, was, was there any, was there anything else? Is just it, it, you're, you're okay to talk about now? Is just it was cut. Yes, I mean, like I think some of them are just quite small things, but like on the final episode, I was doing sort of rundown, a farewell to Australian politics, and, yeah. and having final jabs at each person, and we had. We were talking about the Palm United Party and just wanted to kind of have a quick jab at Glenn Lazarus, quick jab at D.O. Wang, and then make a slightly longer point about Jackie Lambie. And so uh, what we, what we, it was something to the effect of, um, you know, Clive Palmer's team of Meathead, Glenn Lazarus, uh, Lane Brain, <laughs> D.O. Wang, and Jackie Lambie, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, no, you can't call them meathead and lame brain. Um, so it's, that's why I end up just saying a brick and a wang, uh, <laughs> which also somehow sound, sounds like I'm having a go at them, even though it's, you know, in the, in the latter case, it's just his name. So you can't, call them, you can't call them those names, but you can portray Wayne as a blurred out dildo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is it a dildo or is it an, no, it's an actual wang, isn't it? Oh, it is, it's an actual wang, is it? It's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the legal world is a bizarre place, so it's not surprising that you can get away with certain things. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't you call that living penis a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Jazz, there must have been things that you... Like that Miranda Devine line, I remember it got cut. I don't know if you can say that or... Yeah, well, well, that was weird because it was, yeah, it was just, um, I can't remember what the context was now, but she, I think she criticised someone for something which she then went ahead and did herself. Um, I think it was something to do with sexism or something, misogyny, I can't remember. But it was basically like, yeah, whatever standard she was criticising other people for, she then committed the same mistake in her own article and I think the line was um, yeah this just in Miranda Devine is so unself aware that when she looks in a mirror she thinks her twin is spying on her <laughs> um, and it didn't we couldn't that got yeah that got rejected by legal I think and then I tried using the same Why? line for another telegraph <laughs> writer about two weeks later and that didn't again same reason it got rejected they just you can't say that it's, um, it's like defamation I think or something <laughs> Um, and then weirdly, we did that video that was um, News Corp Journalism 101, where it was just, yeah, based off, you know, Sherry Marks and going undercover at university. And we said, well, perhaps now university courses will have to include a News Corp module to keep her happy. Um, and, in, and in that fake lecture, I said, if you want, yeah, News Corp journalists are so unself aware blah, 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 the same line. So weirdly, it was okay to paint the entire news <laughs> with that brush, but not individual people. So in the end, it, you know, it came off even stronger because it, you know, it was being applied to the entire thing. Very strange. <laughs> Just to follow on from the process I was talking about earlier on, um, was it ever actually hard to maintain the level of comedy um, having to work as fast as you guys did. You know, it's not, uh, say, a, uh, a weekly scripted um, sitcom. You guys have to actually get it done within a certain number of hours. I think the... Seaton, do you want to take that? Yeah. ...of having, you know, 12 writers is that even when there are some people... Like, even if you're having a slightly less good day, there's always someone who is uh, on top of it. So mm. having the numbers there, there's always someone who will be able to pull it through and inspire and get everyone else 
uplifted and writing to the, the best that they can um, every day. There was, you know, there, there are stories that are, are harder to get a handle on. I think the TPP um, was was just so complex and and dense that it was it was hard to get a handle on that one. But I think you know everyone just sort of you know got jumped on top of each other and sort of managed to pull it up and and make something worthwhile in the end. But yeah, I think that's where the numbers come in handy. Okay. It's not, because um, the thing is, once you start filming, it, it then ceases to be 12 people in a room because Clark, Clark will be in the studio sort of helping direct things. Nick will be sort of bouncing between various issues. Um, Mark's probably in the studio either getting ready to film his bit or, you know, Tom's in makeup. So then it's often, oftentimes you end up with about three or four people around the table tweaking things. Um, as the train is racing along, but how did you manage to get like such talented people all together? I mean, it's, I mean, you, you talked about the start about how um, you know, Mark knew you know, Clark. Clark and, and sort of that sort of stuff, but, but the others as well. So you know, Tom and Alex and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's just such a, a great group of talented people. Okay, well, I think there was, there was a, a core group. I think Nick's very good at just choosing choosing people because like the, it was just a, a good team and everyone. Apart from being talented at, 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 at their job, everyone was just very lovely, and just a lovely place to work. And there wasn't there wasn't anyone who was sort of mean or there was, there were, everyone was just so nice. And it was just a really good group of people in general. So I think it was just a real a real skill at choosing those people, uh, whoever was responsible for the acquisition of the uh, the humans. <laughs> they were just well, round, was, rounded up plenty of the extra. Luck, I mean, a lot of it was just being in the right place at the right time. Right. And, yeah. um, but people like Sean and Cara got in contact with Charles first just through LinkedIn a few years ago, I think. Cool. Uh, Tom and Nick were friends from a few years back, I believe. Uh, and then uh, Alex Lee, we knew we needed a strong female performer. Uh, and. Uh, she ended up on a short list and a few people were auditioned and my understanding was that she was very impressive with her natural, because she had a temperament um, news background, that she had that natural news delivery, uh, which uh, felt like it had sort of comic potential. Um, who else are we thinking of? So David Ferrier was, um, uh, I, he was a friend of a friend of mine and I had met him maybe once. He was from Perth. And uh, when he was in Sydney for a week, he asked if he could come in as a, as, a, as an intern, and uh, which he did. And then, and he sort of submitted jokes um, by email and just made a real concerted effort to, to, to be part of it. And then when it expanded to 10 minutes and we needed someone to be a, a runner but also with writing responsibilities, uh, he submitted a really great... He sort of campaigned for the job. I don't know, Jazz or Seton, if you remember seeing this, but he would deliver, he would send us, like, um, newspaper headlines <laughs> saying, like, only five days until David Ferrier's job application. <laughs> <laughs> things like that. And then there'd be joke stories. And he was a real, yeah, he made a real, real effort. So, so David is the one that does the uh, the Instagram and, you know. Have you, sort of, yeah, have have you yeah. yeah. He's got a brilliant voice. <laughs> yes, you've got a radio background, and so has it's been great to capitalise on because he, yes, he worked in commercial radio and has all those rhythms um, <laughs> that are so awful. Um, I actually remember I remember when he first joined, and he was just and like you actually filmed him 
basically just doing like odd things around. I was like, you intern guy, go do that or something. And like the very first episode that you, you were on, of, you were, you were on the pod roast, that's right. And you were talking about David and the, the stuff that he was done, just in the sort of energy that he brought to the show. So. Yes, I think David was um, David is a, was a great reminder of how lucky we were to, to have this job because David was a guy that really wanted to work in this industry and really fought for it. And there's all sorts of people out there that want to get in and just can't find a way. And uh, so David was someone who really every day appreciated the opportunity and made the most of it. So, yeah. Can I just backtrack for a second? Sorry, just backtrack a little while back to... <laughs> Further back in the conversation, um, it was interesting hearing Satan say, um, "Acquire the humans, considering is the voice of death." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I, we just talked. We just mentioned the pod, the pod roast, which is your sort of like your companion uh, podcast to the show, which is hilarious. My favorite episode is the one I can't remember who it was you were talking about, but you basically you were picking on some guy, one of the crew, so bad. That he told his mum. Oh, Evan. It was, Evan. <laughs> the least favourite person of the week. <laughs> That's a brief segment. The least favourite person of the week. <laughs> I actually often thought we should steal that segment. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be on. I think. I think I'd be number one every week. Yeah. So. It's just the four of us. <laughs> well, well Seton said that we're all terribly nice people, but it's not true. Uh, <laughs> quite, quite vindictive. At least speaking for myself. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good way just to get to let off some steam uh, without it being too serious and, and, and always hoping to, ch- to choose something fairly trivial, um, <laughs> usually about toilet etiquette or something. <laughs> That's about it. There's a brush, people. <laughs> There's a brush, people. That was brilliant. <laughs> I, I do encourage anyone who is interested in the process of making the show to listen to the Padres. It's a fascinating delve into their world. Yeah, it was it was it was really good to sort of hear sort of how you guys sort of did things behind the scenes and stuff. It was and and plus it was it was funny as well. So it's cool. Yeah. So oh, when that's you, a bonus. So when you, are you recording a final episode wrap up one? Yes, we are. I think we're. Um, yes, it will be sometime this week. We'll try and get as many people together as possible and do one massive one. I think that I think at the end of last year we did one which went for like two and a half nice. hours or something. But, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll try and get as many people on, uh, and yeah, send it off in style. And I'm sure, yes, I'm sure Evan Williams will have something new from his mum. To- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll link to it for sure. So let's um, so let's sort of talk about the, sort of the show itself. So the roast, as as I'm sure everybody's aware now, is a, is, is a comedy, uh, sort of like political comedy sketch uh, show. And uh, I just love the, the fact that it's. I mean, you've got a show that you you did daily. That was both funny and informative, yeah. and uh, I mean, I'll be—I mean, I'll throw it out there, ABC too. I think part of the reason why they decided not to continue on is because they couldn't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. I mean, just, I mean you, you were just so spot on, uh, like all the time. The, the things, the things that you did, it just—and it just sort of baffled my mind that we allowed these things to happen. Like, I mean, jazz is sort of reports on the scene stuff that he, that he would they used to do with Jazz's it, journeys. Yeah, Jazz's is it really called Jazz's journey. So we we like the Nauru and you know it's like you know and he goes to the island that's been flooded because of global warming and stuff and it's like it's just how how can we just allow this it's just it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. The show as you as you guys were saying was uh, the 2 minute version of it which then eventually become the 10 minute version. The so that was in what was it so news it expanded to two minutes in 2012 uh, and in April 2013 it's it's it changed to ten minutes 
at the 7.30. And April's when the pod roast started as well. So 145 episodes. Can you guys, yes. can you tell, you guys tell us um, some of your sort of favourite moments? So your favourite moments, you know, either on the show or behind the scenes and your sort of your favourite sort of skits or sketch parts? Gosh. Anything <laughs> with Clark, to be honest. Anything with Clark was usually a yeah. standout. I mean, I think I think, I think I speak for the rest of the guys. I'm not all they can, they can shout me down. I think Clark is the, is the best performer on the show and brings so much to uh, any any character that he had to bring to life. I think one for me that stood out was where he was, um, I can't think of the, maybe you guys can remember what the story was, but he was like a teenage, like working in a shop. Um, it, was, um, it was selling some, was it like some special kind of wood um, <laughs> or something? He was in a, so he put that in a furniture shop or something. Mm. And, and just, he, yeah. you know, and he's in his early 30s, but he managed to de-age himself uh, <laughs> and capture the sort of nervous energy of a, of a you know, teenage retail employee, which uh, he and I had both had both been. And uh, it was, yeah, it was extraordinary just to see his transformation. Uh, Clark, and that's part of the reason why he was also, you know, the director uh, in the studio is because he could always come up with a little touch or a little, like, little, little nugget just to to bring a scene to life um so i you know i loved being in the studio with clark and when he'd suddenly get an idea of how to enhance something that was always very exciting he was he was, uh, he was a chameleon clark he's like he was he, good, he was good as the the young the younger boy he was good as the the talk show host when he was doing that breakfast <laughs> the, 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 i mean, no, he, was yeah. doing, he was doing the game show oh, he was yeah. doing the breakfast yeah, roast the yeah. <laughs> he could just, he basically could he could cover all roles and be you know excellent in all of them completely yeah, I would second that. Like any any opportunity I had to write something where Clark and I would get to do something together, I would leap at those because they are just, especially after you know a few hours writing, it's um, it's great to go down into the studio and be sort of reinvigorated by basically just being paid to have ridiculous fun with Clark. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's great fun. That could be. That could be the subject of the new show. Fun with Clark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seton, did you have any? I always really enjoyed the the Lammy and the Brick when we go down and, and do the voices. That was always a, a lot of fun because you oh, know, yeah. what you don't see in the in the cartoon is that we're all actually there's only one microphone when we do that. So there's four or five people running around like crazy to get in front of the microphone for their their lines. It's always a lot of fun. So, who, so now we can re- re- reveal I'm who are the voices. It, I'm picturing a Benny Hill style. <laughs> who was played by who? Okay, so Lammy was played by Cara Jensen McKinnon. Wang is me. Jazz I was, plays Brick. Yeah, I was the, the, the very demanding part of the Brick. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Parmasaurus was Clark. Cool. Yeah, and and, and uh, Mark played, was it Was it Mike Walrusy? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, so I was Mike Walrusy. Yeah, so every, everyone, I think, at some point got a chance to do one character somewhere along the way. Uh, Jazz also, though, was the the um, opening and closing credits of and, and singing a one man's what three part harmony. Or yeah. <laughs> I think didn't Seaton didn't you write some sort of draft theme song or something? Um, or you suggested that it should be a children's cartoon with opening credits yeah. and then Hugh whipped up like a it was just he just gave me like four notes it was just 
and then I obviously being addicted to stupid deep voices um, <laughs> just had to go it's love me and breathe and then yeah they just whacked on me doing harmonies on top of that um, which is very bizarre great fun <laughs> Cool, and uh, and I just I have to know this, who actually drew uh, Nick's flip books. Who actually did the actual art in it? That's, um, yeah, Louise. That's, she was very talented. Yeah, yeah very she's talented. A, yeah. The amount of stuff she can produce in that uh, that amount of pressure and the, the sort of the diversity of what she had to do because obviously the, the graphic style of Lammy and the Brick was completely different to the flip book, um, and then on top of that, completely different to. All the random things we threw at her, like last week we had that um, sort of in-flight safety video that had its very own distinct visual style as well. So yeah, she's yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, that's Louise Costa is her name, and so she sort of inherited Lamy and the Brick and, and had to sort of run with it and build on what had been done in, in the previous year. But for the flip books, that's that's really her own sort of personal style, and uh, it was really we were really quite devastated at the end of last year that we lost. Uh, a, a graphics guy named Ahmed who was uh, brilliant. I mean, worked. Uh, I could create a you know three D dinosaur within uh, an hour to put into the show. I mean, and that's probably what, why I think we had more explosions and we probably <laughs> more crazy last year. But did, um, did he create the opening credits? Uh, yes, I think he did. That's yeah, awesome. he did. But so we had to find a replacement for him. But Louise really stepped up and. Uh, uh, yeah, great talent. Louise Costa, if you need someone for your animation and graphics work. <laughs> <laughs> Hire them now. Look, I mean, it's, it's a perfect coincidence that I have you three guys on the show because uh, my favourite moments are uh, basically every time Tom died. Um, <laughs> um, but then but then with you guys, the headline stuff, um, Mark, the, the bit where you were doing the, the Milo <laughs> scene from the past uh, was hilarious and and I I won't steal Crystal's one because I know Crystal's one of Crystal's favourite ones oh, whenever Mark dances yeah the so. dancing the Ellen <laughs> dance and the Japanese sort of uh, video dancing thing stuff. Um, Jazz's Jazz's journey is uh, sort of like the trip around and uh, especially the especially the Nauru stuff yeah it's just it's like Come on, people! <laughs> so I mean, it's just, how how more how racist can we be? It's like, <laughs> so and uh, and and Seton's death, <laughs> great stuff. Impressive ab- abdominal work there. <laughs> yeah, in- incredible obliques. <laughs> I always like Jazz's um, reviews myself, and I give this three stabbings in the back. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we, we didn't do many of them um, so much later on, but yeah, the, the, I think we did two. Yeah, they were. They, I, I enjoyed doing those. Were they? Was that? Did you base that persona on any reviewer in particular? Was it? Or was it an amalgam of, um, uh, you know, film reviewers? And um, it was uh, us. Be honest, it was us. Yeah, it was entirely <laughs> based off you. Uh, <laughs> all four of you. I, I, I became schizophrenic and had to take medication for weeks. Um, yeah, it was just a sort of that reviewer in the chair style. Uh, plus, I think it sort of fit with my slightly monotone, uh, relaxed manner of talking anyway. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that was good fun. You are a very good mimic. That was a really good Alec Guinness you did uh, recently. Uh, well, thank you very much, old friend. <laughs> Jazz is an amazing, uh, an amazing mimic. He does all kinds of voices. He does Nick Richardson very well. Ah, uh, Nick Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, it's good to have you on your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
throw us, throw us, throw us off a, a reel. There you go, James. We'll put you on the spot. Do, oh, dear. <laughs> do your three best. Um, oh, goodness. Um, a wizard is never let Shrago Baggins. <laughs> That's precisely what he means to. What else? Uh, we've Bane. already had Obi-Wan. Bane. Oh, do Bane! Oh, um, okay. Yeah, um... It doesn't matter, oh, yeah. What matters is our blood. Uh, that? was excellent. That was brilliant. <laughs> um, and what's my... Roger Moore, can you do some Roger? <laughs> Roger Moore? <laughs> that's, just, that's just my impression of Alan Partridge's impression. <laughs> um, hello, Alan. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> There's, um, so obviously it's now that it's it's off ABC two. Did uh, and you had your rap party last night. Uh, again, thank you for joining us after the rap party. <laughs> That's really good. Um, was there was there any revelations? Is there anything that you can reveal? Uh, are, are we going to see you back on the big screen? Give us a scoop. Or the TV screen? <laughs> yeah, give us a scoop. <laughs> that was my very subtle way of saying give us a scoop. <laughs> well, I think yeah, I think Nick and Charles are talking to various people, and there's. Uh, um, I think I'm I'm not out of place saying this to sort of been some uh, interest expressed by you know different people, but um, I guess it's just one of those things of you know seeing if something can be worked out and what offers are on the table and what's financially feasible. But I, I, I kind of I, th- I think actually weirdly the uh, the influx of like protest and people tweeting us and all the out the outpouring on social media probably put us in good stead i think like any, any prospective uh future networks that want to put us on can can see now that we've obviously got quite a loyal uh following so i imagine that's going to help us find a new home i would imagine that's helpful. awesome yeah. I, obviously if you went to a new network you'd have to change the theme music which would be shattering for me i love the theme music it takes me back to my childhood <laughs> yes because <laughs> hollow bear own like the Holly Bear Productions own the the show, right? They can you can take it anywhere you want, do anything you want with it. Yes, yeah. In terms in, in terms of the the social media, so who's who's actually in charge of the roast account? Well, every day we if someone else is in charge. We've got a, a roster of um, a roster. so we sort of take it in turns to tweet along with the show, and okay. um, so it, it's really a whole team. The whole team is behind it. Yeah, you have you have a really great sort of online presence. Like every episode of the show is on YouTube. Um, and you know whoever's it, it, the, the roster of people in charge of the Twitter account do really really well. And for some reason, Clark Richards never had to do social media, and to this day, it bothers me. Uh, uh, can, but anyway, we can do our own yeah. part of uh, who annoyed us this week. <laughs> yeah, right. So we'd um, rotate, and there would be sort of deadlines, or not deadlines exactly, but there was a sort of rough guidelines of how you should do the social media. So. If you if you were on that day, you had to write the sort of YouTube description of the, you know whatever content from the previous day's episode was going to go online. You then need to post that when it was ready, put it on you know, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, ideally, if you could find if you could make some sort of if you could do like a funny photo with a caption or link to an interesting article or something that was something that you, you know you you would try and do during the day and then later that night it'd be your responsibility to live tweet the show and we sort of took weird pride in live tweeting this very <laughs> short show um, 
and because uh, then it's and it, as you guys may be aware because it came up on the pod roast that Nick Richardson sort of instigated that because he uh, used to live tweet the two minute version of the show which essentially meant he sent like you know one tweet at the start and one at the end <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah so that was that was a uh, would you guys describe I think, it as a chore? I, I, I describe it as a chore. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, I think as revenge, we should um, force Clark to live tweet the uh, That 70s Show on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could always tell when Seton was in charge because uh, whenever I sort of, when I tweeted, it was like my favourite bit from the episode. Like Stephen would immediately respond with, and it's on YouTube. <laughs> Check it out. It was awesome. He was right on there. So, if, have you got any, any anything else that you want to talk about in terms of you know, memories of the show or things you you want to bring to light? Any more juicy stuff that you want to add to <laughs> on the show? Yeah, can I go? No. No, I think um, I think probably one of the things that sort of bothered me the most, but was also it was kind of a great shame is, is when people tweet in and say. Oh, that that episode tonight was was great. That's obviously lovely, but because of the writing process and, and the ten minute length, so much stuff ends up on the um, the cutting room floor or gets cut out. Yeah. And it's it's not often stuff we cut. Obviously, isn't always um, a worse version of what did get into the episode. It's it might have been something completely different, like a different uh, avenue that we didn't we just didn't have time to follow so for there are some episodes where for example i'm on screen but nick isn't um and that's not because i'm saying the same thing nick could have said but better and so we cut nick's bit or vice versa it's it's that you know there's a whole there are whole nick segments that you know people never saw um because it was 10 minutes long and there are whole Alex crosses that people didn't see um, because of the length. So, yeah, when people tweet in and say that was a great episode, it's like, yeah, but you don't know the episode that could have been made if we'd had an extra (laughs) five minutes. So I'm actually disappointed by that episode because I I know what didn't go into it. They were the extras. And it also also weirdly affects the tone because obviously if you have me, like a jazz journey thing, but no Clark or Nick. Like the Clark and Nick stuff is the slightly more, I would say, sort of enjoyably, not frivolous, but the enjoyably absurd or enjoyably, you know, that tone that Nick has. So that will, you end up with an episode that's quite sort of serious in a way. And then vice versa, if you have, you know, a thing with Clark and Nick, but no cross with Alex or myself, then that episode can end up being quite, um, yeah, kind of daft or silly, um, but in a good way. Um, so you, it's really weird. You kind of have to watch the show in like three-day chunks to get the overall yeah. sense of, of what kind of show it is because on an episode-to-episode basis, it changes so much simply because of that 10-minute restriction. That's one of the things that I, that I admire most about the show was that you were talking about very serious things and um you know things that everybody needed to know about and be aware about and yet still in a in still be funny and get the information across without being you know too serious yeah i just i think i mean i i think the balance worked perfectly i 
Well, obviously, instead of cutting the show in an ideal world, it should have expanded to 30 minutes. That would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Chris just threw it out there just before, but, I mean, Hollow Bear owns the show, so is there any chance that we could get an actual, like, box set of, you know, the actual, the episodes that were aired and some of the stuff that was cut? DVD extras, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong to say this. I just don't believe that it's... I think because all the episodes are online, I, I feel like... Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I'm curious to know about the long-term value of topical comedy. I'd be curious to know whether people do revisit old episodes. I'd like to think so because certainly, you know, God knows a lot of work went into them. But I'd, I'd be curious to know how many people would actually want to, you know, reminisce about, um, you know, the 2013 election or, or what have mm. you. So um, I don't know about that. But in terms of in terms of things that got cut, so much of it got cut before it was filmed. So there's not actually right. that much footage yeah. that we'd be able to put in there'd be bloopers i know that much speaking for <laughs> myself and various uh you know swears and things but, um, uh yeah i don't think uh i don't think there's enough cut material to 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 make it worthwhile but well, you know maybe we just go and uh, shoot some fake uh yeah uh, you already do done you've already done the show for next year yeah, indeed we have. Yeah, but I just want to go on, on just what, what Jazz was saying, and just that it is, it, yeah, I kind of do regret that the show was only 10 minutes because we did have a, a very talented, not just the the principal performers, but also people like David Ferrier and, and, and others, uh, and you know, Seton indeed as, as well, who would only get to make sort of sporadic appearances. And in an ideal world, there would have been room for for all of us on a daily basis. And I do feel some guilt about having been able to, I was very lucky and Tom as well that we, you know, no matter what we, we got to be in the show, but it was, you know, sometimes at the expense of, um, of, of a Clark or a jazz or, or an Alex uh, appearance. So it's, if the show goes on, it would be nice to be able to find a way to, uh, yeah, expand and have more room for, for all, for everyone. Uh, you do have a couple of episodes in the can, do you not? Uh, the go-to episodes that uh, were, were ready for if you couldn't get a show to wear. Would the ABC2 be showing those over the summer, maybe? That's a very good question. Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, the No, hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seaton and Jazz, do you feel the same way as I do about the generics? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like break, break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I don't think any of us have actually seen the finished cuts of the generic episodes, and I'd, I'd definitely be very curious to see them in a quiet room when no one else was there to judge. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're probably all right. I mean, they're, they're just different, and uh, they just feel they just they just feel like defeat. I think that's what because <laughs> you, you know when you were making it, you knew it was. Because you, you you were making this on the assumption that in the future you would be bad at making an episode, um, and so uh, I think that they'd be yeah I'd be curious to see them. And we also mixed it up because the two generics that we shot this year, one of them we actually tried to put like the headline segment into uh, a generic, which made it interesting because we tried to do I think it was something along the lines of where we did a story from say 1965. And then one from 19, uh, 1975. Yeah. And then the headline segment became a series of headlines between those years. So it was an interesting, I don't necessarily think it was good, but I think it was an interesting uh, attempt at a solution to the problem of, oh, what would the headlines be in, you know, in, in one of these old timey episodes? But the, I think one of the stories is probably quite good. The Beatles one, I think, is in, I think that's in one of those episodes, isn't it, guys? 
Yeah, like yeah. the Beatles' first. Yeah, to Adelaide or something, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and so I think there's a lot of fainting in that episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think we also did one though about the death of disco, which I think is sort of code in the office for for bad episode. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, that, I'm sure they'll turn up somewhere. Yeah, if coffee. not, we'll send you a private coffee, Crystal. Oh, nice. Oh, that'd <laughs> be much appreciated. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's sort of move back to the start bit where you're talking about the sales a little bit more. Um, so let's sort of do the rewind. I'll do a rewind soundbite. I don't know if you guys actually listen to our show as well. I think, I think Mark, you may have listened to one or two episodes. Yes, um, I have. Yeah. Oh, I, I cannot tell you. I, actually, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that when I found that out, I actually danced up and down. <laughs> the corridor of our house. Yeah, I, he did I, the Ellen dance. I got a, I got a call at about like 10, 10.30 at night to, just so he could tell me all about this. <laughs> Mark Humphreys listens to the show. Um, so it was, it was pretty exciting. So so knowing what we do, then uh, what, what about you guys in terms of uh, sort of what are your sort of favourite parts of, you know, nerd culture, pop culture? Would you call yourself nerds? I'm, uh, I'm definitely an avid gamer. Awesome. Um, that's my, uh, I think that's probably my nerdiest aspect. So, I, yeah, I pl- sink a lot of hours into Xbox, um, especially like RPGs, uh, like um, Skyrim and stuff like that. Cool. Um, and then actually also with my partner, my girlfriend, we um, recently started a live show, which is um, like a panel show that's a sort of science, academia, nerdy comedy show where we have like... Um, experts on like you know sort of doctors and uh, very intelligent people to um, give mini lectures and then in between all that we sort of harass them with funny questions and it's it's kind of like somewhere between qi and like an academic version of never mind the buzzcocks or something <laughs> um, cool. but we do that once a month to a live audience which is um, so that's pretty nerdy if you going to bring that to melbourne um, I don't know. It's 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 based in Sydney at the moment, and we've done two. We've got one more tomorrow, and then I think, and we've got one in December, which um, Mark is going to be the um, the other comedian. So we have four panelists: myself, two academics, and then another comedian. So that's going to be Mark next time, and it's um, hosted by my girlfriend. Oh, that's awesome! And uh, Mark. I think I've I think I've lost a lot of my nerd credentials. I, when I was in um, when I was younger, I used to play like uh, like Magic the Gathering and Star Wars CCG and cool. Um, uh, I you know grew up on a NES and then a, Mega, a Sega Mega Drive and then a N64 and uh, and then it all just sort of fell apart. Um, but uh, <laughs> Jazz and I occasionally reminisce about uh, classic Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> He, he's, a, he's a Pertwee man, I'm a Baker man. Tom Baker, not Colin. Um, <laughs> no, nobody yeah. is a Colin Baker man. <laughs> I don't think Colin Baker's even a Colin Baker man. <laughs> that's, that's Mark's, that's Mark's uh, job now, without the roast. He's just going back to uh, rising yeast. <laughs> uh, classic Who is where it's at. actually I'm actually not a fan of New Who I've got to be honest with you oh the new Doctor had some jelly babies I was very excited <laughs> Peter Capaldi is a great actor but the show around him is terrible sorry Mark yes. I disagree yeah I, 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 I've not really I, I, I dip in and out like I watched the 50th anniversary because I knew that Tom Baker was in it um, <laughs> but uh, other than that yeah if it's on in the background I'll, I'll have it on but I, I haven't really invested in the, the new version um, but other than that, yes, yeah, I've just watched all of the Star Trek films. 
uh, just out of curiosity, uh, and uh, you know, huge Star Wars fan, and uh, all of, you know, all the all the sort of obvious things. Mm-hmm. Um, curiosity yeah. is probably the best way to enjoy the uh, the new Star Trek <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's me. What about you, Sig? I'm um, I'm a big fan of all things Joss Whedon, so. You've got a friend in David, then. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, as everyone knows, the office. I, I'll often compare things to Buffy and quote Buffy, um, and not people won't quite get what I'm talking about. But I've, I've watched the series maybe four or five times through, so I'm just that's sort of my nerd output is the the Whedon verse. It's awesome. There you go. What do you think? I'll throw a quick one at you. What do you think of uh, his Avengers? Yeah, I, I liked it. I um I, I did. I, I actually haven't. I, I've only seen it once. So I probably need to watch it again, but I remember enjoying it the first time round. It's it's very Whedon. Yeah, the the dialogue is um is fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, I don't, I don't want to take up too much too much of your, your morning, guys. I, I want to, if I can finish off with uh, the classic nerd culture podcast question. It's our patented question. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I'll ask legit question in general, and then and then all three of you take a stab at answering it. Okay. Okay. If you were in charge of this interview. What would be the one question that you would want asked? Mm. Remember, it's patented. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> well, I, uh, okay. And then be prepared to answer that question. <laughs> That's the problem, you see, because, you know, I've got great questions, but ones that I wouldn't be willing to answer. Um, <laughs> Perhaps, uh, is there anything, if, if we had the year over again, is there anything we would have done differently from the outset that's an excellent question uh, yeah in terms of writing or I don't know but that, that's an interesting thought good question Jazz I'd like to answer that uh, <laughs> I think uh, one of the one of the regrets that some of us have is um, losing Clark as a reporter we kind of ended up making him always in the cutaways and, and other little scenes and what have you which he was great in but also he was excellent in the previous years, just as Clark Richards, you know, roast reporter. And so we didn't have him do really much of that this year, maybe twice, if I can think of anything. But um, that's something that I think, that was a discussion at the start of the year of, oh, Clark won't be a reporter anymore, he'll be a sort of cutaway guy. And we thought, yes, that's great. And then we ended ended up not doing as many cutaways as we had in previous years. Mm. And so we lost some of that, I think. So I, I regret that. Jazz, you have yet answered your own question. <laughs> uh, but I asked it. Um, <laughs> He's already done his job. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I yeah, I suppose. I think with Mark's headline section, that was that was a chunk of the show that sort of solidified and cemented itself. Very. Uh, not prematurely, but sort of ahead of everything else. Like I think that was after Mark's headlines bit. It would have been. I think it would be nice, and I hope we do do this. Um, if other parts of the show kind of cemented themselves as well. Like I think Nick's character, obviously, that was also quite solid as well. But I've, yeah, I think with Clark, Alex, and myself, obviously I had the jazz journey things, but they they were quite hard to um, justify. Like, they really needed a core argument to get me on camera. Um, whereas I think, for example, Nick's character was very three-dimensional and, and you could sort of throw him on camera and 
you would know what he's saying already. Um, so yeah, I, I guess just the rest of the show to match the um, to have identities in there that sort of balance with the um, the strength of identity that the, that the headlines had. I think. Cool. Satan, do you have a question or an answer to Jazz's question? It, I, I try not to look back and, and sort of think how things would be different because if they're different, then they wouldn't be the way they were. And I, I'm quite happy with, I'm quite content with the way the way it all worked out. So I, I wouldn't want to change too much for fear of the butterfly effect. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, you know, over, overall there were things that we could have done better or differently, but ultimately I think it all worked out for the best, obviously not because they got cancelled, but um, <laughs> creatively, I, I think I think we, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't change too much creatively. I, I have a question uh, for for us. Like, uh, <laughs> just interview yourself. It's going to sound a bit weird, but I think the guys will understand what it means. Did you watch the show? And did you watch it on the night? And how did you feel seeing yourself back on screen? Uh, what was your experience of, of actually watching the show as a viewer? Another a excellent question. question. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't even need to be here. You need to do this for a job, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you should have asked this, um, what question would you ask yourself at the start of the interview? <laughs> <laughs> Could have been my whole job done. <laughs> the question you've patented has destroyed your show. <laughs> <laughs> it's all imploded on itself. <laughs> I, yeah, I try to watch it every evening. I think the most interesting experience I had was when I, I went to Melbourne for a week. Um, so I wasn't part of the writing process. And then I watched those episodes and it, it was, it struck me how, how much there was in the show and how fast it moved. But also actually, I think as a, as a, as a slight criticism um, of how we end up doing things, um, there were some things that I didn't quite follow, and I, I knew from having been in the writers' room, okay, there would there would have been a discussion there and a, a series of logical steps that led them to deciding, yeah, this is the best way to express this. But while their minds would have gotten that far, I think for someone watching, you had to do a quick bit of um, mental jumping uh, to follow. Um, but not every episode, I'd say like one in five or six there would be a, a cutaway or something where I was like oh I didn't quite get what you were saying there or I do but I had to think really hard about why you thought that was the best way to express it so mm. yeah that was an interesting experience watching it having not been part of the thought processes that created that episode yeah I'd second that I think there was one specific example uh, and this is a really trivial one and, and, and not the best representation of what Jazz just said but like uh, there was one thing in Lammy and the Brick a, a couple of weeks ago where Glenn Lazarus, I'll, I'll just call him Brick, um, <laughs> where, uh, Brick had, uh, I think he proposed a piece of legislation or, uh, he, I can't remember even now what the story was, but ultimately we had it that Brick regretted what he had done. And so in the sort of stage directions in the script, it said something to the effect of, Brick is filled with regret and oh, something like that, but the line that he has to deliver was still Brick. Uh, <laughs> so although Jazz... What's my motivation? Yeah, although Jazz infused it with as much of the, yes, the motivation and the thought behind <laughs> Brick. Behind the thoughts um, of Brick we have. Yeah, it, I think watching it back, you go, 
oh, that's not clear at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little things like that, that in the room, because you've talked about it a lot in the room, it's, it's very, very clear, but it's sometimes you need an outsider's perspective to look at it and go, yeah, I don't, I don't follow that. Yeah. I, I try to watch it every night um, just to sort of, just to see how it turned out. And like Jazz was saying with Melbourne, I was sick one day this year. And so having so seeing the episode having not worked on it was just a completely different experience because you just you're taken so much more by surprise and it was just it was it was just a fascinating thing and a fascinating exercise to um to watch it both as someone who'd been heavily involved during the day and then someone who wasn't involved and it was just such a different experience watching the episode i found it quite stressful to watch it when it went out live i could watch it the day after but um there's something about knowing that as you were watching it, that a hundred thousand other or however many people watched the same, that I found that quite traumatic. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so I would get around to things later on, and especially obviously because I would want to be, then be able to talk about them on the on the podcast. Um, but uh, for some reason, uh, I developed an anxiety about watching the show live. Uh, yeah, I can totally identify with that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like do you listen to? your own podcast back to you i mean I, how does it work for you i do i listen to every episode back just to give feedback to the editor <laughs> which is me, <laughs> which is me. <laughs> uh, and yeah and, and it, it is weird hearing your own voice in your headphones i feel a bit like a, a narcissist walking through i walk through the park to get to work listening to my own voice and thinking if people if people only knew i was just walking along listening to myself <laughs> it's a <laughs> uh, yes, self-affirmation tape yeah. i just tell myself how brilliant i am and then Exactly. <laughs> it is. I, mean, I, I, I don't because I edit it, and it you know because it takes like four hours. It's, I just I never want to hear the episode ever again. But uh, uh, but I, I, the people some of the people that I work with um, uh, are fans of the show as well, and and so they do this basically the same sort of thing Crystal does. So they listen to it and, and then provide feedback and stuff. So they and it, it is it's quite nerve wracking. I cannot listen to myself. <laughs> I, it just freaks me out too much. Like I'm, I'm happy to listen to interviews that that Dave does, but. Um, yeah, I just I cannot stand the sound of my own voice. So I n- never listen to the episodes I'm actually actively involved in. See, I'm different. I just skip to the bits where I know I'm talking. So <laughs> I listen to you, so you don't have to. That's right. <laughs> you don't listen to your own bits. <laughs> anyway, well, guys, thank you very, very much for being a part of the show. It's it's meant a lot to to us, and uh, it is a damn shame um, that, the, that it's not on ABC two anymore. And uh, their loss, you know, screw them. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see you guys with a little sort of little hints that you gave. Hopefully we'll see you on the screen, screen again at some point. And uh, and uh, it's just really awesome talking to you. And thanks for listening to the show, Mark. My pleasure. Well, thank you very much for having us on, and uh, and thank you for your support of the show as well. That, that really does mean a lot to us. And uh, yes. um, there were times, you know, I think early on it was like, does anyone actually watch this show? And then when mm-hmm. I saw that late last year that you guys had had mentioned us on your podcast, and that's how I got into it, just out of pure ego. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was actually really, um, that was wonderful. So thank you for that. Oh, no, yeah. no problem at all. Our pleasure. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. No worries. No worries. So we're really looking forward to, to seeing sort of your future endeavours and, uh, you know, and, and the, the hashtag that I started on Twitter, Save the Roast. Uh, uh, you know let's come on people let's just get let's get get behind it jump on their facebook um jump on the twitters i thought you were gonna say jump on their face (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, probably not the best way to show appreciation a, for the show. It's a family-friendly show. <laughs> Why is it that I'm now picture and I can now hear um, the Monty Python song with a slight change in lyrics? <laughs> You're all terrible people, <laughs> embarrassing me in front of our guests. Oh. Uh, Sit on <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more. Jump on my face and tell me that you love me. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so, so get behind the boys and um, and uh, let's get them back on the screen and uh, thank you again for joining us, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you very much. Yeah. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Bye. I don't. This is not a video, so you can't see me. A bit like I was on the edge of my seat that entire episode, and uh, yeah, you were quite riveted. Yeah, yeah I, just, I, just, I mean, I love the show, and, and, uh, and I, just, I think it was basically the the spiritual successor to um, like Frontline. And stuff like that, you know. What I mean, you know how much we love that. So, it's, I mean, it's, it its loss is cut down its price. It's just not good enough, ABC. I mean, I mean, it's—I I don't know. I mean, if they could justify it some way, it would, you know, I—I'm I, obviously I don't know the machinations behind the scenes, but you know, if there was if there was a better justification than just budget cuts, then that would be, you know, that would, would have been nice. But to replace it with that '70s show, which yeah, don't get me wrong, it's not not a bad show, but. Come We've on, seen I mean, it all a and some you know quality. I mean, they keep saying we need quality Australian content, mm. and then we've got quality Australian content, and it mm. you know they cancel it. Yeah, it is a concern. It's it's disappointing, but uh, to have those guys on was was awesome. And I'm not kidding. When I found out Mark Humphreys who <laughs> listened to the show, <laughs> my reaction was just unbelievable. It was uh, it was pretty pretty bad. But there, yeah. there's three talented it's... guys, and uh, hopefully they come back. Yeah. And if they don't, then Anybody out there listening to this that can hire them in some capacity, please do so. Mm. So that's it for uh, this very special uh, The Roast episode of, uh, of NCP, episode 116. Uh, that's it from me and the crew. Normally I'd say something incredibly witty here, but um, I'm not going to do that for this episode. I just want to say good luck to the guys. I really do hope they land on their feet and um, find a new home. Look, three stabbings in the back. <laughs> <laughs> You're weird, <laughs> but lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crystal? That was a fascinating episode. It was really good to talk to the, the three guys from the Roast. Uh, I really hope they move on to bigger and better things. Awesome stuff. Thanks very much for listening, and stay tuned next week for episode 117. Bye! Bye! <laughs> You've been listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. You can write on our wall if you go to the Facebook page. Go to facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Tweet us at nerdculturecast. Skype us on nerdculturepodcast. If we don't answer, leave a message. We might even play it on the show. You can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com If you'd like to support the show, use the Amazon affiliate widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a small percentage of the profit goes towards helping us to produce our show. We can see what you buy, but not who you are, so your privacy is assured. Check out our videos at ncptv.net or search for NCPTV on YouTube because we also have a YouTube channel. Don't forget, you can rate, review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Wondering where you can hear more of Bo? Go to ecnradio.com. Bo and David also have another podcast called Film Flames. More info at www.filmflames.com. You can find all of our podcasts and more at undercastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.